Exactly, you feast. Why? You celebrate. Yeah, it's a time of joy, it's a celebration, you know, eating seems appropriate. And evidently that's transcended cultures and time periods because we do the very same thing. You know, it's hard to imagine a wedding without some food. Um, So, you know, and of course the point about that is that Jesus is the bridegroom. And... This is wedding time. This is celebration time. Jesus is here. You know, why would they fast at such a joyous and and festive time as this, a time when Jesus is here? When does he say they would fast? When he leaves. No, he doesn't say when he leaves. What does he say? Even stronger. When he's taken away. When the bridegroom is taken away. That sounds rather ominous, don't you think? I mean, 
it's kind of unusual to think about the uh, groom being bumped off. You know, you think about them living happily ever after, right? But tragedy will invade the bridal hall, and the groom will be taken away. It kind of makes you scratch your head. I'm sure it made them scratch their head. What's he talking about? You know, and we know what he was talking about. And there would be days of fasting and mourning when he was taken away. But while he's still here, that's not the appropriate occasion. Thoughts about that? The uh, what's the wording on that? But verse thirty-five. But the days will come. And then it's like it starts another. And when the bridegroom is taken away, is that how that's? Yeah, I mean, that's what I've got too. When the days will come, when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. Or I I think I don't know if the days was something else specific, you know, or if that was trying to set that apart in some way. I don't think so. I think the idea is the time's coming, and in that time, the bridegroom will to take it away. In the yeah, last. I mean, but it is kind of an odd way to say it. I right. Think. We would just read it, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken right. away. Right. Right. I have no idea. Some of the other translations may translate it that way. I don't know. So they're talking about when he when he dies, yes. obviously, and that's sad. Right. But then he comes back and it's <clears throat> happy again. Right. So. I mean, it's not like we're still mourning that he was taking away at this point. Right. He doesn't go on to that next step. <laughs> right. He really doesn't. So that kind of leaves open whatever. You know, I don't think this really answers questions about, you know, fasting practices today. I would point out that there were a couple of times that the early Christians fasted. Uh, like when they sent out Barnabas and Saul for a preaching trip and also when they were choosing elders in the right. church. But I guess I was asking more about, like, this seems to be in the context of, like, you're mourning and going to fast right. because he's taken away. Right. And that, I mean, that applied when he died, but that was only, like, a very short window. And Right. That's right. But, I mean, still, can you imagine the disciples eating on the night after he was crucified or the next yeah. day? You know, so, I mean, I think Jesus probably wants to get that in here. <laughs> you know, it may, it's like this is a joyous time, but a really dark time is coming. And Jesus, in so many different ways, alludes to that. You know, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. I mean, in different little cryptic ways, Jesus slips that idea in before he starts really just explicitly saying it. And he's certainly not trying here to explain anything or go on. He, he's answering the question about fasting. Right. Uh-huh. That's and, right. And in the analogy, you don't fast when the bridegroom's there. Right. But when he's taken away, however long that is, that's when you would... Right. Exactly. Fast. Yes. And then he does this little mini parable about, um, you know, you've got uh, a the need to patch an old garment. So would you tear a piece of cloth from a new garment and put it on as a patch from the old garment? That doesn't seem like a very good idea just in general because you're ruining the new garment by tearing the plate thing off. But it's not just that. How's it going to work to patch up the old garment with new denim? I think about a hole in your jean knee and all that. And we really have to go back to the days of my childhood because we are dealing in the era of pre-shrunk cloth these days. But I don't know. I, I suppose 
you know, you you two remember that, you know, do you remember? Mom would always buy our clothes uh, big because she'd say they'll shrink. We still do that. Do you still do that? Yeah, clothes still shrink a little bit. But not like they did. I mean, they, I she'd mean, buy them. She'd buy them significantly larger. Okay. Yeah. You don't remember that? She would with ours. She, you know, well, we got to buy these big because they'll be shrink. They'll shrink. You know, the first three or four times they were washed and dried. I wish my mom did that. <laughs> You'd like bigger clothes, or do they shrink? Sometimes I try them out at the store and they seem small, and I wear them in the house. <laughs> You're growing. Or maybe they do shrink. Maybe that's still the idea. But imagine that the new denim then shrinks and the old jeans have already shrunk. And then so it just blitz out again and, you know, tear results. And so really you've ruined everything. You know, you have nothing really to show for it. Besides that, the patch doesn't even match the jeans. And it's going to be a whole different color, right? Brighter and all that. Uh, so you're wondering, what in the world does that mean? You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you expect that uh, hint in good housekeeping or something, not in the New Testament. And then he says, nobody puts new wine in old wineskins. Or the new wine will burst the skins and, you know, ruin the wine and the skins both. So what's the deal with that? Well, apparently you'd put grape juice and, uh, and let it ferment in a new animal skin. You'd close it off. And I don't know much about chemistry, but I understand that when the grape juice, you know, ferments into wine, it gives off a gas and expands. But an animal skin has some give to it, some elasticity. So that works. But what if you take an old wine skin that's already been stretched and you put some more grape juice in it and it starts fermenting? It's going to give off this gas, it's going to expand, and that skin's already stretched and so it's going to bust. And everything will be ruined. And again, well, that makes sense. We can we can get that point, but why does he say this? And I think the lesson in this is that you cannot expect to match Jesus up with the old forms and traditions of Phariseeism and Judaism. You know, that you cannot, Jesus did not come to patch up Judaism. He didn't come to be bottled up by it. You know, he didn't come to be some kind of an additive. You know, Jesus came with a radically new, different message, radically new, different habits and forms. Um, You know, you can't confine him within the limits of the way they always did things. So Jesus is kind of a total replacement. He's not just a source of patches, you know. Um, And so he's not just patching up Judaism. And you can't confine what he's teaching within the old limits of their understanding. So they were presuming that the fasting stuff would apply to Jesus. And that Jesus just come to, you know... Make them fast ride or do, you know, just, just kind of patch some things up. If they had understood the radical new way of Jesus, they would have never expected he would have kept their fasting rules and things like that. Does that make some sense? You have some questions and comments about that? I love that passage for this purpose also, though I'm not, I, I understand this isn't the main application. I think it's a fair application. 
You know, I remember uh, many years ago going to the home of a, a man and knocking on his door, and they accepted a Bible study. And the first time we studied with this couple, he said, listen, I want to make it clear from the beginning that we're not looking for some kind of, like, radical change. We just thought a little bit of Jesus might help, you know, smooth out some things in our family. Well, thankfully, he got more than he bargained for. <laughs> You know, but isn't that what people want? They want a little bit of Jesus to patch up the rough spots. You know, it's kind of like wanting an additive. You know, they, I guess there's some additives you can put in your gas tank and it makes the car run better and things like that. They want, just want Jesus to be, pour in a little Jesus and make things run better. You know, so they're trying to just kind of fit Jesus into the old pattern and he'll just make things a little better. That didn't work. Jesus will bust everything. You know, you can't you can't confine Jesus within those limits. We've got to be ready for a total new new beginning, total radical change. I mean, nothing's nothing's off limits to Jesus when he comes into our life. But now look at verse thirty nine. And no one, after drinking old wine, wishes for new, for he says the old is good enough. You ever been like that? Do you like to try new food? When you go to a restaurant that you go to a lot, do you order the same thing you always order, or do you always try new stuff? Same thing, same thing, same thing. Chris, I can imagine, might vary that a little bit. I don't know. But yeah, I do the same thing. You know, I was so bad that when I was in school, the first chair I sat in in a class, that's where I sat the rest of the time. You know, unless the teacher made us, you know, have assigned seats or something. But I mean, I'm that way any, anywhere, anything I do. You know, what, first thing I do, that's what I do all the time. You know, that's the way we often are. You know, it's like, oh, well, this is good. I don't, I don't want to try something else. This is good. And that's the problem. That's the problem with people receiving Jesus. They have a hard time changing old habits, and a lot of times they're not even willing to try it. You know, I'm good with the old. And so being content with the old way of life, is one of the obstacles in getting people to turn to Jesus. They're just not dissatisfied enough with the way things are right now. I'm not going to try something else. And that's what Jesus was facing, a lot of resistance from people who were tradition-bound who didn't want to change. Thoughts and comments on Luke 5. So what other meaning... I mean, that's not real clear in this. You know, just reading through that, where he's going with that. For one, it's not exactly related to the question, you know, about the fasting. So it kind of changes. You know, the first answer talks about the fasting, and then he goes on to this, which I suppose, I don't know if that was even in the same conversation. You know, sometimes you have... And he was also telling them a parable, I think it's probable. And in the other Gospels, it's connected. Right. Um, I just wonder how others interpret that, because it, it's not, I wouldn't say that that is real clear. You know, I, I think what I'm saying is the common interpretation. Um, there was another view, it might be just a little less um, um, extensive. There are some people who might just say, you know, Jesus saying you put things together that fit together. 
So fasting doesn't meet, doesn't fit with a time of celebration like this any more than a new patch fits on old garments or new wine fits in old wineskins. But I think that on the end of the day, there's more than that. I think that Jesus, there's a reason why Jesus uses the new and the old. And I think, I think, well, at least from what I've read, this is definitely the common thought in one sense or another. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of things Jesus says that are not something you're going to get on the surface. I mean, is there anybody like Jesus to make you scratch your head when you read his, especially like his sayings? There are a lot of sayings that like, okay, so what's that really mean there? I think that's Jesus. I think he makes you think, and it may, if, if there's anything I would think about this, is that maybe there's more to it than just this. You know, I think Jesus' sayings are things that you could just keep meditating on and think about it in other ways and other facets. I don't know. Well, we'll find plenty of other things to puzzle over here as well, um, maybe uh, in the next section. So, uh, because Jesus gets criticized again, or his disciples, but he's considered responsible for them. So, chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Now it happened that he was passing through some grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating the grain. But some of the Pharisees said, Why do you do what is 